Hey, thanks for joining the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to help enhance your emotional and spiritual health. And our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. Our host is Shari King, and she is a writer, a speaker, a mom, and a pastor's wife. That's me. I'm the pastor she's married to. She's my wife, and she's so cute, and I'm crazy about her. Hey, we are so excited about this season of Overcoming Monday. As we go into the Christmas season, we're looking at the person of Jesus Christ in the Gospels. So we're titling this Jesus According to the Gospels, and we're also going to look at Jesus according to the book of Acts. The cool thing about this season is our special guest. His name is Dr. Robert Canoy, and he is the dean of the School of Divinity at Gardner-Webb University. Shari and I love this man. He was my professor in seminary. Shari and I went to Israel for the first time together with Dr. Canoy, and I traveled to Greece and Turkey with him uh, in 2002. He is a great scholar. He's also a man that loves the scriptures and loves Jesus. And uh, speaking of Gardner-Webb University, before we get into this conversation, I want to let you know, we're going to be going back to Gardner-Webb University this summer for Crossroads Summer Camps. That's where Dr. Kanoi teaches, and that's where Crossroads started. We've got one week of summer camp at Gardner-Webb this summer, in addition to the six weeks at Anderson. It's the last week of July, and if you'd be interested in bringing your students, just go to CrossroadsSummerCamp.com. Dr. Kanoi also gave Shari and I our first taste of Israel. And speaking of Israel, Shari is leading a trip for women only with Sharon Miller. And that trip is going to be happening May the 8th through the 15th. May 8th through the 15th, ladies only. Listen, men, if you're listening, get your wife this trip. Ladies, if you're listening, ask your husband to go ahead and put these dates on the calendar. And you can find out more information about this trip to Israel by going to faithbasedexpeditions.com. Very simple, Faith basedexpeditions.com, where you can join Shari in Israel, May the 8th through the 15th. Now let's get started with our conversation about Jesus according to the Gospels. Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. I'm super excited today because it is Christmas and a lot of people are thinking about Jesus. Um, We've heard a lot about, say, the Christmas story, and maybe a, a lot of us have seen movies about Jesus taking his story from all the gospel writers and putting it into one. Um, but I think that one thing that we miss when we do that is the distinct um, perspectives of the different different gospel writers. So each gospel writer wrote about Jesus from a different perspective and had a different message. And it doesn't mean that they conflict. It just means that they had an original perspective of him and had a desire to write about him and carry a specific message to their audience. And it's actually very beautiful when you're able to pull them apart. And it's almost like if you were to ask my grandma, um, her perspective on all of her different grandchildren and then ask the grandchildren all the different perspectives on their grandma, it would be different, but you get a bigger picture of who grandma is according to, say, one grandchild and then according to another grandchild. And so that's kind of what we're doing today. We're saying, yes, Jesus was one man, but each of these authors give us a different perspective on who he is because they each knew him in a different way and had a different audience that they were writing to and a different purpose. And so I decided that I wanted to invite 
Um, a man that I met years ago, Clayton and I used to live in North Carolina because Clayton went to Gardner-Webb University. I did not go there, but he loved that school and he felt called to ministry. And so he got a ministry degree there. And Clayton and I met. And when we met, he was we were doing camps at Gardner-Webb and I got to go on an Israel trip when Clayton was in seminary with one of his professors named Dr. Kanoy. So today I have invited Dr. Kanoy to be on this podcast with me because I just really enjoyed um, getting to spend time with he and his wife in Israel and some of the conversations that we got to have and some of the teaching that he got to um, give to us. And I received it so well. And I think that you guys will love his perspective as well. So Dr. Kanoy, will you just take a minute to tell my audience a little bit about who you are, your family, your career, and maybe just a few things about yourself? Thank you, Shari. Yeah, just uh, thrilled to be asked to be a part of your uh, your group this morning, your conversation that we're going to be, uh, be sharing. You know, my story is, uh, is probably similar to many people's stories. Uh, in, in, in one way. I did not grow up in the church. Um, I only became a Christian when I was uh, 12 years old. Uh, my family was marginal, uh, you know, in and out of church. Some, uh, we moved to another little part of town, and uh, having done so, my mother sensed the need for my two brothers and me. She needed more help raising us than she was able to do by herself. Uh, shortly thereafter, uh, we began attending a, a little church in my community, a little Baptist church, and uh, I became a Christian. And not long after that, uh, the minister kept saying, God is calling someone to be a, a, a preacher. <laughs> and I kept looking around, and no one was saying yes, so I figured it was me. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, yeah, and here I am all these years later, knowing for the most part that that was what I was going to do. Of course, my life has been filled with ups and downs like most of your lives have been. Nevertheless, uh, that's what I've known I was going to be doing. And um, so I've spent my whole life for the most part, you know, trying to discover a bit more clearly who God is, namely through the scripture. Uh, so my uh, my initial call, of course, uh, took me to a Baptist college and shortly thereafter uh, to a seminary and for a master's degree and a PhD degree. I served for a number of years, 12, 13 years as a full-time pastor. I've taught for a lot of years, and now for over 20-something years, I've been teaching here at Gardner-Webb and uh, just love the New Testament, love the Bible. My own uh, academic background is in uh, Greek New Testament and, uh, and New Testament theology, and it's just wonderful to be able to take a look at the Gospels uh, with you all today uh, and, and watch the fascinating ways in which, uh, which our Lord has inspired biblical writers to introduce us to Jesus. Awesome. So we are going to do a series of these podcasts where we talk about the different Gospel writers. And so we'll spend about 20, 25-ish minutes on each different Gospel writer. Um, and today, we're going to start off with Matthew. Is that right, Dr. Kanoi? Is that who you wanted to start off with? Sure. Why not? That's a good one. <laughs> okay. I couldn't remember. I'm looking for my list, but this is uh, kind of last minute. I'm finishing my semester. You're finishing yours, I'm guessing. And uh, it's a busy time. But today, we're just going to ask three questions, and we'll be doing this on each podcast for each gospel writer. So the first one that I wanted to ask you, Dr. Kanoi, is um, 
In what way do you feel that Matthew portrays Jesus's personality, his calling, and maybe even the Christology, like his theology about Jesus in his gospel? What uniqueness does he offer us? Okay, uh, great, great question. Uh, you know, we begin with Matthew for the most part. Most of us do because it's the first in the New Testament, the canon as we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, although most of us do acknowledge that the Gospel of Mark probably was written first, but because Matthew seems to tell a fuller story. I mean, there are 28 chapters in Matthew, only 16 in Mark. So because Matthew tells the fuller story, uh, most have rightly uh, agreed that ever since Athanasius back in 367 when he wrote a letter saying, these are the books that we read uh, today, in our, uh, in our church, uh, it, he included the Gospel of Matthew as the first gospel. And what's fascinating about Matthew, um, while we don't know exactly who this Matthew is, some would assume it's the Matthew, you know, that um, uh, maybe was the tax collector once upon a time. We don't know that with absolute certainty. There probably were lots of Matthews in Jesus' day. But that's neither here nor there, because we do know that we have this gospel and the fascinating thing about this gospel is the way in which it begins. I'm just going to read you four Greek words, which won't uh, freak anybody out. But listen to these words. Biblos genesios Jesu Christu. Now, those four words say the book of the beginning of Jesus Christ. Ah, so we, we, we now have a book of the beginning of Jesus Christ, after which we get one of those dreaded uh, genealogies. Now, people love genealogies as long as it's their own genealogy, but right. for most people in the Bible, when they're reading a genealogy, that means, oh, we can just skip over all of these who begat, who begat, who begat, who. But what this gospel is doing is identifying who in Jesus' story the Lord begat in anticipation of the coming of Jesus. And it might not be as evident as, as it should be to us, particularly in this Christmas season, I'm always fascinated by the genealogy. Mm-hmm. Because in the genealogy, there are five women, and only five women are mentioned in the genealogy. The fifth of whom, of course, is Mary. She gets most of the attention. But the fascinating thing about these, uh, these, these other four women en route to Mary are who they are. Well, first we have, we have a Tamar uh, mm-hmm. who has a very unusual story. Yes. She dresses herself like a prostitute. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a rather uh, almost X-rated story back there in Genesis. Uh, so we, we hear about her, and, and then we hear about an, another woman. Uh, well, her name, uh, her name is Rahab, and mm-hmm. you know her story. She actually <laughs> was a harlot when, uh, you know, when Joshua and Caleb you know, came into the Holy Land, the Promised Land, um, and uh, they happened to show up at her house. I'm not going there as to why they were there, but nevertheless, uh, they were there, and we know the Lord chose to use her um, in the story because he redeemed her, and she is in the genealogy, followed by a, a, a next woman, a Ruth, a Moabite. Mm-hmm. Now, the Moabites were arch enemies of God's people, and then, of course, uh, you know, there's, there's another woman, um, um, who, who shows up? Uh, let's see. Who is she? Oh, yeah, she is. She is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't even get her name, Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. We just get that she was the wife of Uriah, and we know her story. Now, what God is doing in this, and why we get these details in Matthew, is He's saying, "Look, when Mary uh, is found to be with child of the Holy Spirit, that's not as unusual as you might suppose it is." Because God is always about using the most extraordinary, 
unusual ways to accomplish his purpose in this world. And Matthew wants you to know this. Mm -hmm. He could just as easily have left out those characters, Mm -hmm. could just have identified the, the male cast. But he said, no, it's important that you know, no matter what your backstory is, that God can use you as he once upon a time used these four. I sometimes, if I were going to do a sermon on this, I'd call this four skeletons in Jesus' closet. Yeah. <laughs> because these are, these, are, these are interesting characters. Uh, but again, this was all to set the stage, the beginning. And once he's done so, and once uh, the angel appears to, um, you know, to Joseph and tells him, look, don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife because, you know, she, 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 is, uh, she has within her that gift from the Holy Spirit. You wonder, well, how in the world would Joseph have said, oh, okay, I'm on board. I'll go with this. Well, he does because Matthew's gospel is fascinating in as much as his name is Joseph. And the angel appears to Joseph in a dream. Mm-hmm. Now, you know more than need to think using your biblical imagination, there was once upon a time another Joseph, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. All about dreams. Yep. And so here is the way God chooses, even picking these people by name, to locate them in Jesus' story to make a significant point. And it is uniquely and only in the Gospel of Matthew that we hear the name, the meaning of the name Jesus. That is Emmanuel. God with us. Mm-hmm. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Now, that's the way the Gospel of Matthew begins, with Emmanuel, God with us. But you know how it ends? Chapter 28, verse 20. Mm-hmm. And lo, I am with, with you, you always. So the whole of the Gospel of Matthew is framed within this whole perspective of God with you. Mm-hmm. Now, what makes that so strategic and so important is when we ask ourselves the question, how could, how could Joseph go along with this crazy scheme, take a woman who isn't his wife at this point, mm-hmm. take a woman who's going to have a baby and he's not the father, how can he do this? Well, Matthew makes it abundantly clear he can do so because God is with him. Mm. Now, I hope you're beginning to see what what relevance this is to us. Mm -hmm. The entire Gospel of Matthew is all about how how we ought to live and how Jesus does what he does. And he does these things and how we ought to live in relationship to this when we know God is with us. Mm -hmm. And wow, isn't Christmas, isn't this the awesome time of the year (laughs) when we celebrate God is with us? us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that if you even think about the woman that you mentioned, um, Tamar wasn't necessarily being given her just due according to Jewish law. And so she decides, I'm going to take it in my hands to do the right thing because Judah's not. Um, And so how was she able to do that and it work out? I think because God was with her, that that was Mm -hmm. ultimately he wanted Judah, the seed to his seed to come from Judah. And so he allowed it to happen through Tamar. How was Rahab able to believe in the God of Israel who saved all the Israelites from Egypt um, above being scared of the king um, where she was and even of her life, I think, because she saw how powerful God was and 
believed that God could be with her. Um, when you think of Bathsheba, I think even that story is conflicting because I don't believe that she necessarily was thrilled that her life got thrown upside down um, when David took her. And yet God was still with her once um, the once her husband was killed and she ended up becoming David's wife. And so you have all these people that are kind of put in situations that they kind of didn't ask for. And so then when you think of Mary and Joseph, um, God chose Mary and God chose Joseph. This wasn't a situation that they necessarily petitioned for, you know, Hey, um, I think I want to be a girl who, uh, just has a baby and everybody uh, shames her because she didn't do anything wrong. But hey, you know, I I don't think Mary would have chosen for that to be something that she lived with for the rest of her life. Um, But she and Joseph could do that. And it's because of what you're saying, because God is with them, because God had a plan and they chose to be part of that plan. Yeah. And isn't it beautiful that, you know, when we're honest about ourselves, that's precisely what God does with us. You know, he takes us in the middle of everything else that uh, we have done to ourselves or others have done to us and says, you know what, I I think I'll pick you because Mm -hmm. I've been doing this sort of thing a very long time. I'm pretty good at this. So I I will pick you and I will I'll choose you and we'll watch what uh, what what I will be able to do through your life. And of course, you know, you mentioned those uh, the uh, three or four of those women. Ruth, of course, what, what gosh, oh, her yeah. story was even as dramatic. You know, she it, there's a famine in the land. She <laughs> leaves. Uh, irony of all irony, she leaves Bethlehem. Well, she doesn't, but her her mother in law Naomi leaves Bethlehem with her husband. And where do they go? They go to Mo, to, to Moab, to the land of the Moabites, to the arch enemies of God's people, because there's no food in Bethlehem. Uh, Bethlehem ironically means house of bread, but there's no bread there. (laughs) So they end up leaving and they go, you know, they go to the land of Moab and no sooner do they arrive there that her husband dies. Mm -hmm. So she has to be asking herself the question, did we, did we make a bad choice here? And then what do her two sons do, but up and marry pagan women? Yeah. Uh, And of course it's only uh, Ruth who, who, and, and, and what happens? They marry these pagan women and both of them die. So mm-hmm. now Naomi has no, she has no sons. Mm-hmm. All she has is Ruth. And one of uh, her daughters-in-law, uh, Orpah, uh, after whom Oprah takes her name, <laughs> Orpah, uh, it's true. They just mis-inverted uh, the, the letters. Really? I didn't they know that. They did. That's right. Yeah. So Orpah said, no, no, I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm returning to my old ways. I'm staying with, you know, my Moabite people. But Ruth says, no, I'm going with you. Mm-hmm. I'm trusting your God. And what do they do? They leave the land of Moab, and where do they go? They they go back to Bethlehem, and it's there that uh, there that she meets um, Boaz, mm-hmm. who becomes her husband, and she coincidentally becomes the grandmother, right? The grandmother. <laughs> Can you figure this? Of David, you know, who is in, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like what a fascinating story. I know Ruth's story has um, impacted me so greatly because I think that. She chose. It's a, it's a very common with a lot of the um, a lot of the people that we study in scripture that they chose a path of suffering, um, and God used that suffering to not only um, cause them to show His glory, to become more like Him, to understand Him more, but also to accomplish His will. Um, I mean, you just 
who didn't? You know, you've got Abraham, you've got Joseph, he suffered. We've already mentioned him. You've got Moses, king of like, I ran from um, my sin of killing someone, went into the desert, and now I'm going to be a leader. But his leadership wasn't all about, hey, this is an awesome leadership position and everyone loves me. It was a little bit more trying to manage people who didn't really want to be where they were and didn't really <laughs> love the way he was leading sometimes, you know? And so um, we see that theme and then we see um, Jesus, you know, um, the servant king who also suffered and learned right. obedience through what he suffered and accomplished and perfected God's will through his suffering. And so right. it's actually very beautiful when you look at his genealogy because, um, and especially during this time that we're going through right now with COVID, and I'm sure we're all asking ourselves, why are we suffering? <laughs> why is this happening? And suffering is actually just part of the human story and how we handle it is very important, I think. And so it's beautiful to see the genealogy that these aren't people who rose above suffering. These are necessarily these are people who suffered in the midst of suffering learned how to hope and how to have faith and how to continue to survive and live and find joy in the midst of their suffering yeah but it was right. because god was with them right uh, there you go yeah you know you know when, when i'm reading matthew and i get to chapters five through seven the sermon on the mount i'm going whoa nobody can do that and then i remember except God be with us. Mm. So if God is with us, then we're able to, you know, to rise above these, these problems, temptations, sins, and whatever that we've all fallen victim to from time to time. We're able to do that, but only when and if God is with us. So, you know, Matthew is all about, you know, driving that, that point uh, home to us at every single juncture. God yes. is with you. And of course, you know, in the Christmas season, I, you know, when, when I'm thinking about Matthew as well, uh, and I'm remembering, you know, uh, and unfortunately, I've been told too often that I've just I've ruined everybody's Christmas by uh, by things that the Gospel of Luke is going to tell us. But we're not going to do Luke yet. We're going to do Luke in a couple of yeah, episodes we're doing down Matthew the way. Now. <laughs> we're going to do Matthew now. But but the fascinating thing, you know, in Matthew is so here come the wise men. And by the way, you know, it's only in the Gospel of Matthew that the wise men make an appearance, mm. which again is a unique perspective. The Spirit has inspired Matthew to gather together these bits and pieces of Jesus' story in ways that Luke doesn't, Mark doesn't, John doesn't, and to tell us uh, a little bit about wise men, obviously, who, again, because God is with them, they're just they're they're living in Iran. They're Persians. They're just watching the sky, the, the, the stars in the sky. When suddenly there is a star they've not seen before that appears, mm. and they just follow that star because God is with them. And they come to, of all places, Jerusalem, and they knock on the palace door, and there is Herod the Great who greets them. And we're going, uh-oh, this is not going to turn out well. Yeah, you so, think that he's probably going to kill him or something. Exactly, you know. And, and they say, well, you know, you, you, you must have a son that's been born because we've seen the star. And he, you know, Herod, as only Herod could do, says, oh, well, tell me, tell me where'd you see this star, you know. Because he Herod. Began, yeah. So he begins to plot, you know, which is the way Herod always works in the biblical story. He is notoriously wicked. And so what 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 do they do? They say, Well, we're gonna just keep following the star. And he said, Well, send word back to me, you know, once uh, you know, once you know where where you know where this birth has happened, and lo and behold, it's happened in Bethlehem, which is just what 
six miles really close to Beth, uh, to Jerusalem. It's just right there. And they go and they find, do the wise men. They find the babe, uh, you know, wrapped in, well, no, that's, that's Luke when they're, when they find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. But they, they, they go there, uh, as you know, they, in Matthew, they go there to, to, to worship him and they, and they come bringing some gifts. Mm-hmm. For which reason people have wrongly assumed there were count them one, two, three wise mm-hmm. men. And they assume such by reading the New Testament, reading Matthew 2, because they hear that the wise men come bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, well, each there one must have been brought. three. There must have been three, of course. And then the tradition has it, even gives them the name, who? Melchior, Balthazar, and uh, one other. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, we don't know who they are, but we just know that these wise men, and they're not even called kings in the New Testament. They're just called wise men. They come to this place. They find Jesus. They present to him these gifts, the latter of which is most fascinating, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh. Now, we hear that word myrrh. That's an intriguing word because myrrh uh, originates uh, in what is today Turkey, the town called Izmir. Here is myrrh. Here, myrrh in that word. Mm. It's ancient biblical Smyrna. Hmm. Well, guess what? Myrrh was grown in Smyrna. Hmm. And it was grown initially, and it was um, cultivated initially because of its aromatic qualities, because that's precisely what one would use to anoint a dead body. Hmm. So isn't it intriguing that even in Matthew, of the gifts they came bringing, one of the wise men brought myrrh. Hmm. I don't know what you hear in that, but I hear in that that God is with us and God is with this this baby who's been born and he's about to he's about to save this baby who's been born from Herod who wants to kill him because you do remember Herod sends the soldiers and they kill every baby boy 2 years of age and younger. Right. But Joseph has a dream. Mhm. And like Joseph's always have dreams, Joseph has a dream and he takes the baby. And where do they go? They go to Egypt. I'm going, when I hear this, Egypt, wasn't there another Joseph once upon a time in Egypt? Yes. So isn't it fascinating how how this gospel is doing this really cool, really unique thing? Tying all of the, all of these things that I think we can miss if we don't really like search and meditate and reread and read and reread all of scriptures. And um, I love the connections that you're making. And I was thinking, and I don't know if this is correct, but because I haven't actually heard what you were talking about with the myrrh before that was used to anoint dead bodies. But you think at the moment at which Jesus is born, it's almost like, okay, you're being born, but your birth is for a death and resurrection you know the purpose behind his birth he's being giving it's almost like it reminds me of him being anointed at the end of his life by the woman who anoints him you know and prepares for his burial and he um says her story will be told um yep yep forever wherever and so because because we do know that all of our gospels um are at least one fourth to one third of them all are the passion narrative the last week in Jesus life mm-hmm. so we we do know that everything about these stories are all anticipating the very thing you just said char they're right. all anticipating Jesus 
redemptive uh, love and sacrifice for for us. Right. And all of it's about the fact that he came to fulfill the promise. He came to fulfill this promise that God was reiterating over and over and over salvation through judgment and then resurrection. And we follow that path. He's the pioneer of our faith. And if he resurrected, we resurrect. And that's the story of Christmas, you know? Well, redemption through suffering. Redemption yes. through suffering. Yes, it's amazing. And it's hard to hear. And that's why I think the gospel message is so hard to receive because there's something painful about it, knowing that you have to take up your cross and knowing that there may be suffering that's unexplained. And knowing that in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about all these people who hoped for something that they never received, <laughs> but right, right. Um, but one day do hope to receive. And we will all we will receive everything that God says that he promises we may not receive them all here. We will receive some things here, um, but some of it we will have to wait for until we're all together and ready to worship Jesus and live for eternity with him, you know? Um, And that's hard to swallow sometimes. This life is going to be hard. Um, But what, like what you're saying today, God is with us. And and, and that's what he said to Moses when he said, you're going to go deliver the people from Egypt. And Moses said, I can't do this. And God right, said, oh, right. but you can. You know why? Because right. I'm with you. <laughs> yep, there you go. There you go. E- even through the suffering, and that's it. Yes. And if, you know, if our life can be, can be used even in the suffering to help uh, God accomplish something in someone else's life when they witness how we're managing our suffering, wow, what, what, what a great gift. Mm-hmm. Not that we all say, yeah, go ahead, lay it on me. I, I want more suffering. N- not that, but God says, let me just show you people who have let me be with them and walk with them yeah. through their suffering and how I can use that. Yeah. So good. Well, I appreciate this, Matthew. I mean, <laughs> this yeah. uh, message that we've had um, uh, from Matthew that you've given us kind of an insight that God is with us. And that is a way, that is a very real thing. It's not just a saying that we tag on to Christmas, God with us. It's an actual way of living out life. Um, that we can read within his gospel. And we see it not only in the Christmas story, um, but in, and not only in the gospel of Matthew, but throughout all of scripture actually is, is an evidence that he's trying to show us through every story and that he's telling every person's life that he is with us um, and he will save us through this suffering. Um, so we have another podcast coming up and I hope you guys will join us for the next gospel that we are going to do which who do you want to do next dr Kanoi? oh let's do mark next okay we'll do mark next so next time we talk we will be talking about mark we will be talking about how he sees jesus and we will be talking about his perspective on say the christmas narrative and how that plays into our lives so thank you so much dr Kanoi. we'll see you next time i really hope that this episode has helped you see jesus a little more clearly and understand more of the context of his life, his work, his death, his resurrection, and ultimately his lordship. Hey, we wanted to invite you to pray about joining Shari and myself on a trip to Greece and Turkey. One of our favorite places we've ever been on planet Earth as we retrace the steps of the Apostle Paul as well as some of the places where John visited. We get to go to the island of Patmos, We get to visit the cave where John wrote the book of Revelation. We get to stand in front of the library of Ephesus, one of the uh, most well-preserved ancient ruins from antiquity. We get to stand on the top of the Acropolis 
in Athens, Greece, and we get to see where Paul preached the gospel to the Areopagus at Mars Hill. It's just the trip of a lifetime. Shari and I will be leading this trip, so if you're interested in going, the dates are September the 20th through October the 8th. That's September the 20th through October the 8th, and you can find out more information by going to ClaytonKing.com. Hey, this podcast is because of you. It exists to help you, but you make it happen. So there are three ways that you can help us reach more people. Share this with your friends and follow Shari on Instagram and on Facebook. Follow Overcoming Monday as well. You can also make a tax-deductible donation to our ministry because we are a 501c3 nonprofit, and everything you give allows us to offer this and many more ministry opportunities completely free of charge. Just go to claytonking.com give. We hope that this has been a great experience for you, and we hope we've given you some little secrets for your big breakthrough.